Off the Ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband. On Sunday, Tom Brady, as Tom Brady tends to do, dug his Patriots out of a very deep hole against the Jags, and they are now in their eighth Super Bowl. Good protection. Fake it to White. Looking around. Has time. Throws it. Did he get the feet down? What an effort. Touchdown, Amendola. Let's see if he does it. High ball back against on how you're supposed to throw it there. So it's protected. Right foot, left foot ball. That's a touchdown, Jim. New England has the lead and a shot at heading to the Super Bowl. Kevin Gullen from the Boston Globes on the line. Evening, Kevin. Hey, Joe. So we've got ourselves the Patriots against the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. Uh, I know I know you're a big Phillies fan uh, generally, so we'll ah. talk about all that. I saw your column in the Boston Globe talking about how much you just love Philadelphia fans, uh, sports fans generally. On um, the Patriots at the weekend, talk to us. Well, I mean, it was a weird game, but it's it's like almost every big game. It's always that the Patriots play 60 minutes and even teams like the Jags who put one of their best games ever together. They don't pay they don't play that 60 minutes and they lose the game near the end. And this is where Brady has always excelled, where he's extraordinary why he is the goat, the greatest of all time. He knows how to pull these games out. I believe this was the 10th playoff game in his career in which they tra- trailed in the fourth quarter and he brought them back. So pretty extraordinary stuff. But as much as credit we're giving to Brady, Joe, the, the defense, the Patriots defense made adjustments at halftime halftime because, frankly, in the first half, uh, Blake Bortles looked like uh, Tom Brady and Tom Brady looked like Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. And as is their want, the Patriots went in. Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, pulled his guys aside and said, listen, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you need to do right. Patriots shut the run down the second half. I think the Jags had about 40 yards. And then when the the run got so ineffective, Bortles' uh, play action, the idea that you would hold the linebackers in for a run, just they didn't believe it anymore. And so the linebackers got back in a lot better coverage. And uh, they took away the middle, which the Jags have been absolutely destroying them in the first half with crossing patterns, with delays out of the backfield into the flats. That all went away in the second half. And, that, you know, the defense gave Tom Brady the, the ability to do yet one or more of those, those great comebacks. Yeah. I mean, on a number of levels, this was all very predictable. Going into the fourth quarter, like, you just kind of expected the Patriots to get this done, even though they were behind. And equally, at halftime, it was notable on the commentary, Jim Nance and uh, the co-commentary team, even they were saying at halftime, they were saying what's going to happen now is the Patriots are going to go in at halftime. Belichick and Matt Patricia, who you mentioned, who uh, is that guy with the big, magnificent beard that they cut to all the time uh, during the game. They're going to sit them down at halftime and they're going to make the necessary changes because uh, that's pretty much what they do. Like their in-game management seems to be on a spectacular level. That's ex- It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. That's why the Patriots are as good as they are because I, I haven't seen any other group of NFL coaches that have in my lifetime been able to turn things around so often and not just when you're losing but when you're getting killed when the other team just has your number Mm. and they just totally turn around what was striking to me 
is that when the Jags got the ball, I don't know, it was less than a minute left in the um, first half, sort of a self-satisfaction taking the knee and not even try to put points up. That's just the opposite, not only of what the Patriots would do. The Patriots would have jammed it down their throat and tried to get at least three more points with a field goal. But I noticed if you if you if you watch the second game, Joe, the, there was a very similar situation when the um, the Eagles, who were already at, by that time were kicking the living you know what out of the Vikings, mm. they got the ball back with 36 seconds. They didn't. They would have been in a much more justified position to take a knee and just come out for the second half, and the Eagles just rammed it right down their throat and got three more points. So that that to me is the difference between winning and losing not just in the NFL, but particularly in playoffs. Yeah. So Brady throws, uh, they're 20 points to 10 down in the fourth, and Brady throws mm-hmm. two touchdown passes to Danny Amendola. So he's been without Edelman all season, who's this you know incredibly right. busy character and seems to just be at the focal point of a lot of drives up the pitch at crucial moments. Brady seems to always like going to him. And then they lose uh, Gronkowski to concussion as well. Yeah. So, like, Danny Amendola is an interesting player, in like, generally regarded as a touch journeyman, a touch journeyman, but mm-hmm. then, uh, by the same token, uh, seems to pop up at really crucial moments. Well, certainly these last two games, first with the Titans in the divisional round and then, obviously, in the AFC Championship game, I would argue that Danny Amendola became Julian Edelman. He became the third down. That that was what they lost when they lost Edelman, mm. third down conversions, the real clutch catches. You know, the reality is if you look at Amendola, he has been clutch. He's always been clutch, but he's been totally overshadowed by Edelman because at the end of the day, Danny Amendola might have three to five receptions and Edelman will have 10 to 12 with considerably a lot more yardage. So, but like I said, Edelman's out, and you're right. I, I must say, when, when Gronk did not come out for the second half, I was saying, would they have enough tools? Would somebody step up? Um, and it clearly was Amendola. And then there was, you know, Brandon Cooks actually had a quiet, very good game. He had about 100 yards, uh, dropped a few passes, which he is wont to do, unfortunately. And then I think, I'm pretty sure Stephen Dorsett only had one reception, but it was an extraordinary reception in, when, in which he reached back uh, looking for the ball, which was underthrown by Brady. He reached back over the defender and grabbed it. So the, that's, the, that's the way the, the, the um, Patriots win in these situations. And, you know, they showed last year they, they won the Super Bowl without Gronk. That said, yeah. uh, we're all, I think, you know, the, the the next two weeks is 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 really silly season, stupid stuff for the next two weeks. But I mean, the only question Patriots fans want want answered in these next two weeks is: Will Gronk play? Hmm. They've earned uh, this in the same way that Tiger Woods earned it, or uh, Manchester United under Ferguson. That teams get edgy when you reach the final stretch, and they know mm-hmm. uh, what tends to come. And that, that is absolutely a quality that the uh, Patriots tend to inflict on other teams. But based on what you're saying, based on the halftime changes, the defensive changes, uh, this was more a case of the Patriots winning this game, even in the fourth quarter, than um, than Jacksonville Jaguars freezing. Uh, yes, I would argue that. But, and that's a pretty good analogy, which you had. And as a Man U supporter, I will only add uh, Sir Alex used to get extra time. That's how he wins the games. Um, Belichick seems to take time away from them with just great clock management and uh, the, the clock management of opposing teams, whether it's Mike Tomlin or uh, at Pittsburgh or even Malarkey and other guys. They just don't manage the clock 
nearly the same way that the Patriots do. So it's an interesting analogy when you think about it, because I always, even as a Man U supporter, I'd say, how the hell do they get nine minutes when there was only five minutes added? Yeah. Uh, Belichick was asked about the Brady injury. He had 12 stitches to his hand during the week. He said, we're not exactly mm-hmm. talking about open heart surgery here. So uh, That he, was interesting. He was pretty keen to play down the heroics there. He was, and let's. you and I have talked about this previously, the whole tension between Bill Belichick and Alex Guerrero, who is um, Tom Brady's personal trainer. Uh, it, it, before Bill got up there, Tom Brady had been giving credit to various people getting him ready, and he mentioned the training staff, but then he mentioned in the same breath, he said, breath, he said Alex. <laughs> I'm sure that, I have a feeling that was in the back of Bill Belichick's head when he came out and made the remark about uh, this wasn't, uh, you know, open heart surgery. Mm. Um, he had a cut on his hand. And I mean, I thought early in the game, Brady was not t- throwing tight spirals. I, th- I thought uh, he threw, he had a bad first half. He missed people. Uh, he was short. He was, uh, he missed a lot of open people over the middle, which is really unusual for Brady. Didn't hit any deep balls, and um, I thought his hand was bothering him. But then, you know, this is classic Brady. I think eventually he got so comfortable that it was a game of two halves, both for the defense and for the offense, and particularly in Brady. Brady was terrific not only in the the, the second half, but especially in that fourth quarter, which was was a similar performance to the Super Bowl last year when – he had to make all those plays, that there was just not enough time. You couldn't screw up. Um, but the other thing I thought, I, I, I must say, I, I'm not one of these true believers that I think they'll always come back. When Dion Lewis had that ball stripped away with, from him, and I think it was under nine minutes, mm-hmm. when they were actually on the march and they, it looked like they might score, I thought, geez, I don't know if they have enough time. I don't know if they have enough possession. If, if, if there's a stop, you know, they need two touchdowns, and if, if there's a stop, then they're, they're really screwed. But, again, Brady pulls it out. What can you say? It's it's, it's uncanny. It's unprecedented. Yeah. And uh, I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Eagles against uh, the Vikings was a blowout. So we've mm-hmm. got Philadelphia. Oh, terrible game. Yeah, 38-7 was um, <laughs> the final result. I mean, like all the talk uh, about the Eagles season was about the loss of Carson Wentz who uh, their quarterback mm-hmm. was being talked about as a potential MVP, league MVP. Uh, Nick Foles comes in and uh, right. plays out of his skin. So is this Nick Foles yeah. for uh, on some uh, wonderful, magical evening playing out of his skin and uh, achieving a level he's never even going to come close to against the Patriots? Or is Nick Foles actually someone they can potentially rely on come Super Bowl? Well, the fact that Nick Foles is a backup and not a starter means that he has been in the league long enough that coaches and talent evaluators have decided he's just not consistent enough. He was extraordinary. Um, The pass he made near the end of the first half when he escaped from what looked like a sure sack and then hit Jeffrey in full stride for a touchdown was it actually – it was for a Patriots fan. It was rather nightmarish. It was like remembering when Eli Manning escaped from the clutches and threw that ball to David Tyree, who caught it against his head right before the Giants went on to upset the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl the first time. That that's what that reminded me of. But you know, will Foles be able to do it again? Statistically, historically, it says no. Um, I actually think if if Wentz did not get hurt. I think the Eagles would be going into this game as favorites, but right. he did get hurt. Right. And um, 
Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think the, the Eagles defense, that front, I mean, they are really, really tough. And the way they played, they played with such – uh, confidence and there was not there was no fear in their eyes. I have a lot of buddies in Philly, and the, they, they and these are Philly fans and they're very loyal. They're actually lunatics. Um, and they said this team was so much more fun than the the 2004 team that was led by Donovan McNabb and uh, the coach Andy Reid. They they as even as Eagles fans, they didn't really like that team. They said they love this team because it's a team of sort of overachievers not a lot of trash talk which is unusual for a philly team and um and that they just they had more in uh injuries to important players you know everybody talks about Wentz. they lost darren sprules who was their energy back uh their kick returner he was a very important part of that team they, they lost a number of guys and they've just it's been like the patriots it's the old adage uh, next man up you know, and they have been able to do that. So they've played with extraordinary resilience. And I'm, I've watched enough Eagle Eagle games this year to say they are a fun team to watch. Yeah. And uh, I think it's going to be a great I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl. I'd really be, be surprised if either team pulls away from the other. OK. And uh, fun fans as well. Obviously, Patriots fans are pretty spoiled, but uh, Philly fans less yeah. so. And officials in the town, I noticed greased the uh, lampposts and poles across the city uh, on assuming that fans would try and climb up them <laughs> on yeah. uh, on Sunday night you wrote an ode uh, a love uh, a, a love column to love note uh, yep. to, to Philly, Philly. Fans and I'm, I'm actually got, and I you know obviously if, if you read it it was half of it was said in Dublin where my among my best friends are three guys from Philadelphia we all played on the uh, Trinity basketball team and they were my intro to Philly when I went back home after leaving Trinity in uh, 1980. I went back and they brought me to Philly and turned me on to cheesesteaks and Philly soul and all the sort of stuff that I love about the town. But, you know, I'm, and, and what I wrote was actually heartfelt. And I've received hundreds of emails from Philadelphia and saying thank you for recognizing. But I, I've also received emails from absolute lunatic Eagles fans who basically think I'm excusing some of the nutty stuff they've done over the years. I mean, these, the other day, they um, there was there's some video of them screaming at a couple with a baby in a, in a in a stroller at the game, at the link, because they were in Vikings jerseys, and they were using the F word liberally at these... So, I mean, this is the sort of... And, I, and I'm going to do a follow-up call and basically said, my, my, um, when I said I loved Philadelphia, I did not include wild-eyed lunatic eagles fans mm. they are cuckoo okay they are the readers fans of the east coast the only f football fans i could see have seen that match them in sort of intensity and then going over the line with that intensity are the raiders fans and, and they're scary when you go out to the raiders games it's like motorcycle gangs there for christ's sake it's crazy yeah uh passionate and over the line can go hand in hand sometimes uh Absolutely. we will talk to you closer to the super bowl kevin cullen from the boston globe thanks Thanks, Joe. Off the ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband.